applause. It's been a few weeks since I've been able to be here in the pulpit and preaching and bring God's Word to you. And if you remember, last time I was here, uh, we were outside and I was preaching uh, kind of a, a transition sermon, kind of we finished the book of Revelation, I say, here's where we're going next, and, and uh, where we're headed next is a series which I have no idea how long it's going to be, but it's on the teaching and commands of Christ. And what we've realized is that um, as we're trying to listen to God in prayer and, and discern what God wants for us, we believe that as a church, we need to disciple those who need to understand what it looks like to live and love like Jesus. This has been the, the, the vision of the church since I've been here, and even before that, to live and love like Jesus. And we're not going to give up on that. And what we realize is we can't just talk about that. We need to teach, and we need to live it out. It needs to be modeled. And so, for some people, as I preach on certain things, might be like, Pastor, this is, this, this is the fundamentals of Christianity. But yes, we need the fundamentals down, and we need to live them up. You know what? One of the greatest issues that the world has with the church is that we're judgmental and hypocritical. We need to practice what we preach before we can ever tell other people how we think they should live. And so um, today we're going to look at what, what is a command? What is, well, we're going to talk about the commands of Christ. How do we live and love like Jesus and do the things that Jesus told us to do? What does it even mean to follow a command? Now, even that word, a command, makes some people hurt. I command you to do something. Oh, like, you just cringe inside. Listen, if you don't, and you don't remember being uh, two years old, Tessa's going to be two uh, in September 11th. So in a few weeks, Tessa will be two. And you know what her favorite word is right now? Oh, you guys know it. You've had two-year-olds in your house. No, it is her favorite word. I'm glad you guys figured that out pretty quickly. No. Guess what? That, that, that rebellious spirit that we, we see in two-year-olds, it doesn't really leave us, does it? You talk to someone in their teens when their parents tell them to do something. They might not say no right out loud, but they'll say it under the breath. And then they're like, what did you say? Nothing. Yes, mom. Yes, And then you know what? They get into their 20s. And you know what they do? They, they don't live in the house anymore. They get as far from the parents as possible because they don't want to say no to their face. So they, they find their own space where they can find their own way. And then when you're in your 30s like I am, and then you have your, your own. Listen, you want to say no, but you're trying to tell other the people, other little people, what to do. And they're like, they're like, no, Dad. And you're like, I just want to say no. There's something in us that wants to say no, even even when we get older. It's funny. My my dad, he argues with my niece. They're, they're so similar. You see how the apple doesn't fall far from the tree through the generations. My sister's, uh, my sister's little girl, who's Mason's age, she's six, and her and my dad go back and forth and they argue just like, it doesn't matter what age you are, there's this rebellious spirit that is born in us, and it's not just in my family. I know I've seen enough other families to know it's in everybody's family. We are not easily compliant to a command that is given. We have this 
natural response within us, which is to rebel. And the Bible calls it the law of sin that is at work within us. If you want to go more in depth of what that could look like, I, I, I recommend reading Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, Paul actually says, We cannot do the things we want to do even when we say yes. This was my problem. My mom will tell you about this. I would say yes and still not do it. She'd like, Yeah, mom, sure. And then be like, She'd be like, Thomas. Actually, in the bathroom this morning. Oh, how many times I've had to tell Macy, can you pick up the clothes that are on the bathroom floor? Can you just go pick up once, twice, three times? Well, guess what? Like I said, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We, even when we want to be obedient, even when we want to listen to the commands, even when we know they're coming from a good place, there's something within us, and we call it the law of sin, and it's at work within us. That we cannot do what we're commanded to do. So, what is a command? A command is an imperative. It's an order. It's, it's, it's an order that is given. It's, it's being told what to do. This is why we don't we don't like being told what to do because we think we know what's best. You know the, the word Lord in the Bible. We call Jesus our Lord. It's someone who a person belongs. Something belongs to that person. They're Lord over something or someone. They have the deciding power over that thing or person. That's what it means to be Lord over something. So here's the question, church. Is Jesus your Lord? Do you allow Jesus to be the one who decides things on your behalf? We cannot just merely say Jesus is Lord without, without actually making Him our Lord, giving Him the ability to give us commands, to order things in our lives, and to tell us what to do. I really believe that if we really knew who Jesus was, we would want to follow his commands. We would want to order our lives after him. We would want to follow him. Jesus, Jesus had this ability to say, Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And the men who were fishing, the, the livelihood was actually fish, dropped their nets. This is after a miraculous catch of fish. They're like, wow, we just caught the most fish we've ever caught. And Jesus said, come follow me. And because it was Jesus, they could just drop their whole livelihood. Who would, listen, I wouldn't drop anything for anyone. But when I meet Jesus, I realize I want to follow after him. So when we're talking about the commands of Christ, it's, it's not the commands of the church. It's not the commands of your pastor. It's not the commands that your parents taught you. It's the commands that come from Jesus. And if you really, truly knew Jesus, I believe you want to follow Him. I believe that even unbelievers, even unbelievers, even people of other religions. I don't think it matters even what religion people follow. If they truly met and encountered Jesus, they would want to follow Him, the true living God. 
CDs back in the day before MP3s, so you know, a whole collection of CDs. He got rid of all those CDs and he started buying Christian music and listening to Christian music. Now, was it his job now to go around and tell everyone to get rid of all of their CDs? No, that was his conviction. That's what God was telling him to do to get closer to God. Did I throw out any CDs? I didn't throw out any CDs. That was not my conviction. But you know what I saw in my brother? I saw from that point on his relationship with Jesus grew closer because he turned away from something that God told him to turn away from and he turned towards Jesus and grew closer to Jesus. I remember uh, my brother, after he had had this experience, it was so powerful to him. He came up to me one Sunday after church and gave me a big hug. And he says, Thomas, I need you to forgive me. And I said, for what? And he said, for everything. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay. All right, I can think of a few things that I, need to for- that I can forgive you for. Yeah, I forgive you, my brother. But he had had such a dramatic experience with Jesus that he needed to ask for forgiveness. He needed to get rid of those things. He needed to take an action in his life that turned him towards Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark uh, 1, 15, Jesus is going to do the same command, but it's interesting. We're, we're going to do a lot of comparison in these uh, in this sermon series where we're going to look at the different Gospels because you can pick up little snippets, even though it might look the same. The same message might be there. We can look at the differences and pick up some of the differences that might help us understand what we need to do as Christians. So here, uh, Mark 1, 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come here, repent and believe the good news. So again, it sounds very similar to what we read in Matthew, but Mark is highlighting a few different things. Besides repent, he also tells us to believe. Repent and believe. Again, repentance isn't just turning away from the bad stuff, it's turning towards Jesus, and we need to believe in Jesus. You might say, Pastor, how do I listen to the, the commands of Christ? How do I follow Jesus? The, the first command, turn away from the world, turn towards Jesus, and, and how do you do that? By believing. Believing. Put your faith in Him. There's, there's a scripture where the disciples actually come to Jesus and they say, how do we do the work of God? Maybe you've been following God your whole life and you're still trying to figure that out. I'm really trying to figure out God's will for my life. And the disciples were at this point like, how do we do the work of God? And you know what Jesus said? He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who we have sent. Simply to do the work of God is simply to believe in Jesus. Now, I believe that actually starts to look like something in my marriage. How can I believe in Jesus in my marriage? Well, when we're arguing, I trust that Jesus is guiding us even when I feel like we're at odds. And he brings us back to You can think about it in your work. I really had a bad day at work. How can I believe in Jesus even at work? And God will give you hope that maybe the next day will be another a better day. And I think that you can apply believing in Jesus into this, every scenario of your life, but it's not just, oh, I believe in Jesus. 
that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Yes, that's important. That's the fundamentals of our faith. That's the first thing we do. That's the first step in our belief is to say, yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and gives us the hope of eternal life. That's the, that is the good news. That is the gospel. But I believe that we can apply that to every scenario of our life. That believing Jesus today might look different than believing in Jesus tomorrow. Believing in Jesus in 2020 and 2021 during the time of the pandemic hopefully will look different than believing in Jesus in five years, right? We all hope that that'll look, that it'll look different. But guess what? In five years, there might be other troubles that will cause us grief where we're still going to have to say, I believe in Jesus today. And so when Jesus gives his command to repent and turn away from the world, we have to be reminded there are many things that we need to repent from that might look different along our journey. Yes, when my brother got, gave his heart to God and, and, and repented and, and got rid of his music and asked me to forgive him, that was step one in his journey with Christ. I can tell you he's had to and I've had to and our family has had to and our church has to repent on a daily basis where we continually turn towards God. Actually, I was telling uh, uh, a young couple, married couple, recently, I was saying, and, and, and I was trying to give them some marital advice to repent as quickly as possible. What I mean by that is apologize as quickly as possible. You said harsh words towards each other, say your story as quickly as possible. And you know what? If you get in the habit of doing that, you're going to catch yourself before you do the bad thing. You get what I'm saying? Like, if I'm always harsh with my wife and then always have to apologize, eventually in my mind I'm starting to think, maybe I shouldn't be so harsh with her so I don't have to apologize so much. And then I catch myself before I'm harsh with her and I say, oh, good, I caught myself. And then I think there's a step after that. So now I'm not only stopping myself from being harsh with her, now I'm, 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 I have to catch myself thinking those things. And now I have the opportunity to start renewing my mind, as the Bible says, and I can start thinking positive things. And I would be ashamed if I just thought positive things about my wife. She wants to hear them, too. And she walks into the room with me and gives her name in. And so what I realized is that along the way, there are these moments where I repent and I turn towards Jesus and He guides me and I become to look more and more like Jesus. See, Jesus didn't only not say hard things. He actually blessed people. He actually encouraged people. When Jesus spoke, people's lives were transformed. Don't you want to live a life like that, church? Don't you want to be a follower of Jesus that when you speak into someone's life, all of a sudden they say, wow, I want to... I want to be like that person. I want to follow Jesus the way they follow that person. I want to know the God that they know. But in order for that to happen, this repent and believe needs to be habit in our life. And then the, the next thing I notice in Mark 1.15 is that it's repent and believe the good news. The good news. Often when, when we associate that word of repent and turning away from the things of the world, People see that as bad news. Remember the, the rich young ruler when Jesus told him to come follow him? He said, sell all your things and then come follow after me. And what did the rich young ruler do? He walked away sad. Right? For him, he didn't see it as good news. 
But Jesus then explains to his disciples that they're willing to leave everything behind and follow after him, that God will reward them both in the next life and in this life. That this life can be a life of blessing if we understand that the things of this world pale in comparison to the things that God has for us in, in this life and the next. It's good news to follow Jesus. The love that God has for us is good news. You know, the things of this world, they might look enticing, but until you taste that heavenly blessing, you will never know the full riches of His love. And when you experience the love that Jesus has for you, you understand what it means when Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is good news that Jesus loves you. This is good news that He's invited you to follow Him. When he tells us to believe the good news, I want you to recognize that our actions, so again, my, the sermon's all about what is a command. This is the first command of Christ. And our, his first command is for us to believe. Why? I believe because our actions, the things that we do, come out of our beliefs. Your beliefs need to change before your actions. If you're saying, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? You need to start believing differently. You need to find why you believe a bad belief to begin with. Some of you need to revisit your childhood when someone said something to you that hurts you in a certain way, or your adolescence or your early adulthood, where someone spoke a lie in your life and you believed a lie that comes from the enemy. A lie that God never told you, but someone else told you. And you need to turn away from that because you're living that lie up. Something as simple as someone telling you that you're stupid can haunt someone for the rest of their life. I knew a, a lady in, in, in our church growing up. Her, her siblings called her miserable. They called her mother miserable. And she was in her 40s before... God broke that curse off of her. Actually, my wife had a dream where it was a weird dream where Abraham was handing out shoes in the congregation. And she gave this lady the most beautiful shoes. If you know my wife, shoes really speak to her, so it's not surprised that she had a dream about shoes. But she gave this lady in the congregation these most beautiful shoes. And the lady receiving the shoes wept and wept and wept. And Abraham's wife, she told her parents, she's like, I don't know what I should do with this dream. And Abraham is so emotional herself, even in this dream. And her parents said, Go tell the lady in the church who was in this dream. And when she went, Abraham went to tell this lady in our church the dream she had had about the shoes and giving her the shoes. She shared this story about how she was called Mother Miserable her whole life, and how God had just recently broken that curse off her, and how she had wept and wept and wept because she realized she doesn't have to be miserable anymore. And this dream that Amy Beth had, and Amy Beth sharing her, that just confirmed that God was doing a beautiful thing. And the shoes represented to, to the ladies, not to the men. My dream would have had something better than shoes. But anyways, uh, it represented the beauty of that moment. The beauty of God releasing and breaking that curse. And changing her beliefs that she doesn't have to be miserable anymore. See, repentance, believing in Jesus, following Jesus, doesn't have to be the way it was for the rich young ruler. It can be a beautiful good news thing. So, 
continues, how do you respond when you're given a command? Are you like my little daughter who her first words are, no, that nothing does matter. What can tell her, no. Do you have that internal inclination? I think we all do. Do you want to rebel or do you want to repent? And again, I think our desires are really shaped by our knowledge of who Jesus is. I think the more we know Jesus, the more we actually want to turn towards him. Are you able to discern whether or not a command is, is that it comes from God and that, that his commands are actually good, therefore, goodness in our lives? And maybe there's something even this morning he's asking you to turn away from. Like I said, repentance is something that is a habitual practice of the believer. It's something we continually do. Doesn't matter how old we are, how long we've been a Christian, how long we've been following Jesus, we continue to repent. And maybe there's something this morning that God is asking you to turn away from so that you can turn closer towards Him. There's some simple ways that we can repent. Take time away from the world. The nice thing about the summer, you know, it's kind of sad to me that the church, church kind of breaks in the summer, you know, and everybody goes away on vacation. And I understand that, and then we can get away. But I'm telling you, if you have time to get away, to do some camping, to do some cottaging, to get on a body of water, a lake, a river, even near a pool, take time away from the world, world, and grow closer to God. Get into His Word. Open the Bible. Spend time in prayer and ask Him, is there something in my life, an area in my life where I need to grow closer to you? And I encourage you to wait. Wait, be patient, and expect the Holy Spirit to speak. Jesus came onto the scene and gave his first command. He said, Repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We still need to believe that today. We still need to take time and I will invite his kingdom to come near. Invite his nearness. Turn away from the world and believe the good news. Let's do this together. We can write the Holy Spirit. We invite you into this moment. We know that our hearts, as human beings, have the inability to do things that we know you want us to do. And yet, you still invite us to turn towards you so that you can be the one who enables us to do your good, your good will. We can't do it on our own. And so we ask Jesus that you would give us a fresh revelation of who you are, just like you did to the disciples. So that when you give us the same invitation you gave them to come and follow you, 
that it would be easy for us to follow because we see. We see the steps that you have for us. We see your character in our own. We trust that you have better plans for us than we have for ourselves. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to examine us, examine our hearts, and if there's any area of our life where we need to turn away from and turn towards you, that you would be with us. Ever any lie that was spoken over us that we believed even from our as a child, would we repent from believing that lie and believe and trust in you instead? that have been spoken over us. Any malicious words would you break that off of us today? We repent. We turn towards you. We ask that you cleanse our hearts, cleanse our minds. Draw us closer to you, Jesus. Help us to find time away from this world. Help us to turn towards you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ross is going to come and lead us in a closing song.